Welcome to PT Shop Talk, where a couple of folks talk about therapy, family, movies, music, sports, and everything in between. Remember that this podcast represents the opinions of the hosts and guests and should not be taken as medical advice. The content is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Everyone is a unique and special snowflake, so please consult your healthcare professionals for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. We take every effort to ensure that the information presented is accurate and we welcome any comments, suggestions, and corrections of error. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis of expert witness testimony. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 <laughs> of BT Shop Talk. On this episode, we talk about our personal injury stories, um, how we rehabbed ourselves, what it looked like, and how it's changed. Um, and then we finish up with our top five vacation experiences. With me today, as always, is Nick Las Vegas Baby Doling and Jeremy Sleep. That's all the vacation you need, Van Gombenberg. Welcome, gentlemen. Glad to be Welcome, here. Casey. Yeah, really I, go ahead. Well, no, I, I, was, I was just going to say we're, we're busy tonight. Nick's got like for those uh, YouTubers out there, Nick's pumping guns, uh, sleeveless shirt with some lays. I don't know. What kind of flowers are those? Orchids? Those are, those are um, yeah, orchids and flamingos. Boom. Cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah mm. the, the old uh, club dread. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm wearing the busiest ass shirt I could find. <laughs> yeah, you're not wearing a quarter zip. First time ever, if you guys watch videos, uh, that I don't think I've had a three-quarter zip on. So it's Truly weird you get to see my white ass forearms. So <laughs> and Jeremy, you have a pleasant <clears throat> yellow on today, too. Thank you. Uh what are the odds that Doling's wearing cowboy boots right now? Mm, nope, my tootsies are out barefoot. Ooh, Ooh, I would have guessed cowboy sandals, like a, a mixture of cowboy <laughs> boots and sandals, where it still goes up I the cap, but boots the bottom one sandals. time around Van and... <laughs> It's completely I justified, I would say, to I ask those questions. <laughs> Grew up on a farm with horses, Jeremy. That's good. And it's the good. horses gonna, judged you as gonna... well for your boots. <laughs> you're gonna alienate. You're gonna alienate a portion of our audience at least for cowboys. He's just asking yeah, questions, Nick. He's hard hitting. That's what we yeah. do on this show. Right. No stone mm. unturned. I think that's more <laughs> than just surface deep. Just yeah. So to it. <laughs> for me today, I had a, a game with my soccer game right before this. So I felt like three quarter zip in 85 degrees temp. It's going to be too much because I do. I do undershirt, shirt, three quarter zip jacket. That's my typical style. I'm very cold <sighs> all the time because um, I like a jacket. Like, I like pockets for my crap. I don't like putting things in my pants. I don't know if you guys are like, yeah, throw my wallet in my, what do you like? What do you do with your phone, your wallet, your keys? I'm a pants guy. Um, you know, Dang, I did, I, I did, uh, I made so the switch stuff. to, yeah, I made the switch to a, a, a Ridge knockoff wallet, a little compressed guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's like, that's a front, front pocket wallet now. Um, okay, I like that. My, fo- my phone doesn't really fit there. Keys don't really fit there. 
I probably should just go to a fanny pack, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> fanny pack, be, not just be more functional. Yeah, they're back. Yeah, talk about vacations. You can vacation yeah. every day with a fanny pack. True, mm-hmm. it's a mindset. But yeah, Good man, point. summer is starting and things get busy. I have young kids, and oh, it's already wild. I don't know, oh, yeah. like Nick, how do you handle it? Like, because I have a coworker too that. Like last year, she had four kids in school, and it was unbelievable the amount of running. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how summers like it. summers is crazier than the school year. At least in the school year, as I was telling some people this week, those events and those activities are relegated to predominantly yeah. after three p.m. Right? Even yeah. and and it's usually it's very seasonal. So you get into summer, and it's just a free for all, and everybody's cramming in stuff. <clears throat> we have, I don't know. We just take it. We try to just take it one day at a time, even though. Michelle's better than I am at strategizing, you know, the whole week and, and you know, in the moment. But, but really, if you start looking at it, you, you, it's easy to get overwhelmed in all the running you have to do and figuring out how to coordinate a lunch break or, you know, the start of your day, dropping one kid off at a practice or something like that. How you do the end of your day, just strategic stuff, you know, and thankfully Michelle has a lot of flexibility with her job. Um, she, you know, she has a few days that are earmarked just to work from home. So that obviously mm-hmm. helps. And with Connor and Maddie being old enough to bike ride, that helps too. I mean, they'll, they'll tear around town most of the time, but there are some activities such as like volleyball practices that are just too far from as we don't want her going on the bike by herself. So she gets a ride, but then you coordinate with friends and you got other, you know, other Our parents that'll pick her up. Yeah. So it yeah. is, it's a lot of, a lot of thinking on the fly and jumbled. I always struggle with that in Fargo, like at what age I would feel comfortable with my kids just biking to something. <laughs> like, 22, 22. Would you, yeah, right? would you like, ever? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, it's hard to imagine. Like I would ever be maybe with both of them going somewhere together when they were older, but man, that's like, I don't know. The world's different, you know, like different. Yeah. It's a different vibe for where you're at versus us. I mean, Marshall's like 13,000 people. So much to met, Metro small. hub, Metro yeah. hub. But I a lot more. I don't know. I feel a lot more trustworthy with them out Yeah, yeah. I just always wonder that, really, because as a kid, for me growing up, that, I mean, that was no thing. My parents see you later, like get home. You know, I was. Yeah. But I'd never do that now with my kids. But I'm not yeah, saying my parents kid, were bad parents, but you might get you might get to a <laughs> point though. As you, I mean, we were in the same spot too. But as you get. Once you experience it and they're out and about, you start knocking down some of those walls and you, you let your guard down a little bit more in a good way. And um, you get less and less cautious. I know, especially for Michelle, because I grew up and my parents were very loose and lax in the summer. And, mm. and um, I've been more free and easy, but Michelle's just a little bit, a little bit more concerned, I guess, about things. And over time, she's loosened up a ton. <laughs> I was one of five kids and I figure by the, like after the second one, you, like they just stopped caring and they were just yeah. like, well, you're good, whatever. But in all fairness, <laughs> when you were 12, you were six, three. So everybody thought you were an adult. Nobody was going to kidnap you. No, I was going to take a so... full grown man off of a bike. Right. <laughs> or they might try. Um, <laughs> That's fair. But, uh, Bring it on. No, the, the candy was so small. I, I say like the, the whole town kind of raised you a little bit. Cause even if you didn't know who people yeah. were, completely like they knew who you were enough to be like oh if you don't knock that off i'm gonna call your mom and uh you know so yeah i was just referencing that earlier where it was like six to fifteen was spent on a bike 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's how it was. But how are them quads? Ripped. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, you had to get the tearaway jeans, <laughs> the zip offs. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just watching, uh, you know, just watching some hoops last night. Tearaways are back. I was telling Amy, I was like, gosh, I begged for a pair of tearaway pants. Those were, they were just the bee's knees. Hey, Adam. Yeah. Black Adidas. I was so dumb. I had a pair of green Reeboks when I was in college that I would wear out because I thought I was cool. Not an athlete at all at that point in my life, but I was like, oh yeah, tearaways, still sweet. Yeah, Don't man. ever wear them to bar. Like tearaways <laughs> to a bar. That's inviting. Zone. Yeah. Inviting. I learned that lesson quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to want to leave them at home. Me too moment there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I did feel pretty vulnerable. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, and you know, how do you tell the bartender when he's like, Hey, you got to get out of here. You're in your underwear. And you're like, I honestly had pants like two minutes ago. <laughs> like, they so it wasn't my fault. Right. Like, yeah. No, nobody believes you at that point. Like, sir, you've obviously removed your pants. You've had too much to drink. Yeah. Oh man. They ripped off my body. He's like, no, that's, that's a far, far tall tale you're telling, sir. They were kind of pain in the ass to button back up, though. Yeah, they yeah, were like, like after, you to- after you tore them away, cool. you had to line them up and, okay. See, but then we did, like, you got, you got the, like, couple buttons at the bottom, couple at the top, and then you have, like, the free-flowing in the middle for, for warm-ups oh, and things like that. You had, you had it down. You're more sophisticated. Yeah, you had flow. That's what the kids call it, right? It's yeah. Major flow. Really? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't wearing a visor, but I, I, get tried, that, I did my best to finish. Yeah, <laughs> you're never too old to visor it up. I might have to. I might have to look into that. Oh, bring, bring back, bring back visors and LFO. That's just that's <laughs> summertime. That is that is a good summertime feel. <laughs> yeah, come on. What's uh, Jerry, oh, man, LFO, hater, baby? You're a hater, bro. No, I'm just thinking of being in my 1987 uh, Buick Century with no AC, the windows down, cranking up KKCK to something like that. You know, mm-hmm. brings you mm-hmm. brings you back, brings you right back, man. That's why you got to get the visor. Now, <laughs> Nick, your kids are like old enough now where they can be in activities like uh, 365 days a year. Like that's yeah, a thing. Pretty now. close, yeah. 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 How do you, how do you, I mean, it, you know, as far as going through it now, how do you feel like as a dad who, I, I don't know what my kids are going to want to do. They seem like chess club kids, but we'll figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. would you recommend just jamming them full? They, they feel like they do well I, with that. Yeah. And, and I think most programs are going to be, I don't know, they're going to be out there recruiting in a way, sending stuff home. Like we get little things sent home in their backpacks, like Mustang Hoops Club, you know, for mm. a week, right? You Get should, you should join that. No. Yep. <laughs> well, Gunner's done that too. So we do, we, and we try to let kids, um, if it, it all makes sense, we try to let them entertain that, try it out. I've obviously um, <clears throat> brought the boys into wrestling at young ages. And, you know, I've, I've, with that, I've kind of been sucked into coaching now. This will be my ninth year coming in um already which just goes fast and it's very it's very rewarding because the relationships you meet with these other kids and and just coach them along the way it's very humbling but um my kids in particular haven't found the same really degree of success but i keep telling them like it's going to be okay right it's 
just comes at different times to everybody. And if you keep, keep grinding and keep learning, you're going to be, you know, totally fine. And, and as emotional as that sport can be. And when you're, when you're coaching your own boys, it's, it, it creates a really awesome opportunity in other sports. So other seasons, like when Connor's done baseball or Gunner's done baseball, I really get into that because I have nothing to do with that. I can just watch it as a, as a fan, as a father and just cheer them on. Same thing with Madeline volleyball. That's just been killer and seeing her genuine enthusiasm for that. That's pretty cool. What's your fan intensity level? What do you rock? Pretty chill. Pretty chill. Pretty chill. Pretty chill. Yeah. <clears throat> pretty chill. But it's, it's so hard to get it wrapped up when kids are so young, you know, and, and we have these debates, right? I mean, it's, it's such a, such a common debate to hear people talk about, you know, it, yeah, parental intensity, parental stress levels with it and how hard they drive their kids. And, and I think I've seen, I've seen really, really good people kind of lean into that more and more. And I can understand why too, when, especially when your kid has some success and starts generating momentum and, and then maybe something doesn't go their way, you know, but um. I don't know. I, I just, I have a really hard time taking it ultra serious until they get to like those high school levels. Yeah. My, my son is uh it'll be six in July. So he's in soccer right now. And I am actually pretty impressed. Most of the parents out there, pretty chill. Um, mm-hmm. uh, pretty yeah. good vibe out there. You know, it's not like uh, some of those sports where it gets pretty wild out there and, and there's, and it's, this yeah. is just through the city. So I think it's a little more laid back to versus like a soccer club, but um, I, I think you what, know, I, what I noticed with wrestling is as, as they get older, though, <clears throat> I'm just going to jump in one yeah. little tweak to that. Go ahead. So what I what I was able to start doing just because you stay with the program long enough to get to know these kids even before Connor was to this age. But um, a few years ago, I started going to our state wrestling tournament to coach up guys that were in like the seventh and eighth grade um, category. And even then, it's like there's a there's an awesome level of just more chill. It was, it was, it was crazy how <clears throat> I'd gone to state like five years in a row. And then finally I go to this one and I'm coaching and you can actually like hear other people talk. And it's not just a bunch of like overhyped parents, you know, mm. overly emotional kids. Yeah. Mm. Screaming, just screaming. Mm. And I think that that, I don't even know what that means. I fell in love with it. I'm like, man, I, I just love to coach that, that age group and on up um, because there's just a more, I don't know. I think everybody's been through it enough. They're more experienced as a fan, as parents and, and everything. They can be more even keeled. It's not so like immediate right in front of them. And for the God, for the life of me, it's, it's hard understanding how people get so wrapped up in like a second grader, you know, this state tournament, these ages, like eight, nine year olds and people just lose their heads, but you move a few years up and it's like those intensity levels just drop there. It doesn't mean they don't care any less. They've just, yeah. they're more, more reserved. Yeah, it, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things progress through. He just started T-ball as well, so just stuff, man. It's just stuff all the time. But, yeah, I, I'm, I am actually surprisingly high, like, on the intensity level. Like, <laughs> maybe because I'm not that experienced as a fan. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm probably harder on my son than I need to be. But it's just weird, you know. You just, like, sitting out there picking daisies. Like, I'm, I struggle with that. Like, dude, get in the game, man. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like, like that stuff you know and then there's like two or three other kids on the team just like sitting in the net and like there's a game going mm-hmm. on and i'm just looking around like am i the only like is this some sort of fantasy and, and i'm the how, only one that sees this but how old five how old is he yeah 
Yeah, five. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's since so young. I know I it's. Play, it, but it, I played zero organized sports at five. I know, oh, yeah. right? Like, no, when I did didn't. you guys? That's my question for you guys. When did you guys start getting into like your main sports? You know, uh, re- ahead, wrestling Jeremy. had a pretty good uh, following in Canby. Uh, so I think it was either second or third grade. They had some youth stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I made it through like two practices. I got slammed to the mat and I started crying and that was it. Uh, I was done. Makes um, sense. You're no Matthew Modine, I'll tell you that. But then hoops. No. <laughs> <laughs> but then hoops was fourth grade. Uh, and that was okay. like, and at that point though, it was like four Saturdays for an hour, you know, yeah. uh, fifth grade. You, we played two or three tournaments just regionally. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like not 365 days a year for sure. So, so yeah. How yeah. about you, Case? Uh, seventh grade for me, you know, that's when we had football. Football started in seventh grade, so that was my sport. And, uh, yeah, obviously we just played a season. I actually never went to a camp, never did any of that stuff. It was – I would say the kids that went to camps was definitely the minority for us i I remember between my junior and senior year our coach was like yeah we want to do like a team camp where we take a bunch of you down somewhere and we play scrimmage you know and like kids signed up for it um but we were a small team right nine man so we only had four seniors that were going into the coming season none of the seniors Mm -hmm. signed up and i remember our coach just chewed our asses out like you guys need to be committed to this team and it's like you know it's my summer man i don't know Hey, and and true, the camp was probably a hundred bucks or something like that. And like, honestly, that was a lot of money for our family. So it's like, dude, I don't don't feel comfortable asking my mom for a hundred bucks, you know, to go to a camp for two days or whatever it was probably just a day, I guess. I can't imagine we would have stayed over for a hundred bucks. So yeah, yeah, seventh grade and just pretty much the season, man. That was, that was it for me. So that's why it's weird that like, I have this weird intensity level with my five-year-old, but (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I'm a competitive guy um, in a lot of things I do. So it is weird. I need to learn to let yeah. go. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. We, we got into flag. We could do flag football in fourth grade. We did flag in fourth, fifth, sixth. And then, as Casey said, junior high, full contact, seventh. Um, youth wrestling was really just, we called it peewees back then, peewee wrestling. And it was kind of just a one week program we could culminate with a tournament each year. And you yeah. can start that. We kind of started that in like kindergarten, first grade. Mm-hmm. But again, it didn't really get super serious until seventh grade. And um, I'm not even saying, I'm not going to say that's right. I think there's probably some balance in there. Um, as you know, probably driven by, should be driven ideally by the kid and how they're doing. Like if, if number one, are they passionate about it? Yep. And then number two, like, are they able to still be a good student? And a good person like are you raising a good person along the way good young man good young lady and um and then just yeah do it at some level too the thing that i struggle with <clears throat> my my dad being on the farm i mean he didn't make it to a ton of stuff at least until things got really serious like even until my junior senior he didn't make it to many football games or wrestling events and then he made it to more he made it kind of made his schedule to fit that but I mean, so, so I have that in my background and I do struggle with like, God, I gotta, should I be taking off work so much to go and watch my kid? Right. Um, especially we, we don't yes. really run into that so much with wrestling, but with football, yes. 
Yeah, I would say yes too. I don't think my yeah. dad ever made it to a single game of mine. Ah, uh, just it sucked. I don't know. It's not yeah. like I played for him. Um, honestly, never really well, crossed my mind as a learned. kid. But like, I I have this weird vibe. Like, I didn't. You just become dis disconnected with that. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, like I didn't do it for him, you know. And but maybe maybe I should have. I don't know. Maybe he should have made it more. Yeah, I, I always wonder if stuff, I would have enjoyed right? it more too. Like you know, like you know, there's something about like scoring a goal or having a good play and like looking to the stands. And my mom made it to all the games, and my grandparents did. But you know, it's just still that like you look out and you're like, mm, that does yeah. kind of take away from it just a little bit, even well, though you're not I playing for them. I see it in our daughter. She looks to us a lot during volleyball. <clears throat> but but here's the downside though. My son Gunner, like when he's wrestling, he's looking at me way too much. Gotcha. It's almost like too committed right and it's like just go out and wrestle just go have fun make your own decisions right yeah, yeah you, you, you talk about the investment in it and you brought up an interesting thing nick where you're like oh yeah you know maybe get a little bit more intense once you have success like what does that mean what is you know when you look at that what does that mean in you sports you know yeah. it's crazy you know shit we, we give people shit if they're like a glory day or for high school stuff right Right. So I mean, what, I, what are you gonna do? You're gonna carry around your like third grade, you know, Mayba trophy. I still have my Letterman's jacket. Maybe I should wear yeah. that next time. <laughs> you know, like I, I was talking to a patient about the same thing, like just randomly this week before we we were kind of talking about like the format, and uh, I always pull up these stats. Like they say that it's in different surveys. They they say like 35 percent of parents think their kids are gonna play pro. No way, really? Yeah, thirty-five percent. And you go, why did why did people get you know so frazzled in second grade? And, and then what's and what's the stat on like if you look at NFL like the, the when they talk is, about the percentage like if you go all the way down and you break it down it's like it's you like know NFL percent NFL's probably it, it's actually one of the best ones like the numbers I found was like point zero two five percent make it to the point zero zero seven seven is wnba point zero zero nine six is nba point one six is mlb Hmm. like you know so you're looking at at any level there's a variability there at any level there's like i threw a tenth of a i was way over a tenth of a percent i was four times the the number (laughs) i mean that's that's crazy so you look at at like high school athletes that play college period at any NCAA level, it's like, I think they rounded out to like five or 6%, but then you have some sports that are like lacrosse where it's like, if you play lacrosse in high school, you have like 12% or 15% chance to play in college. But then you get to some of the other ones, like, yeah, you get to some of the other ones like basketball and it's like 3%, you know? So, Mm -hmm. you you know, you like, I I was having that conversation with him too, where it was like, well, what, what is success then? You know, like, Hey, you win games, but I don't know. When I look back at athletics, it's like all the ancillary stuff. It is time with family, time with friends, you know, like mm-hmm. the interactions that happen because of team sport. interaction. And yeah. Not, it, I mean, it's, it's less of a gosh, like, do you remember when, you know, this play or this game, it's more like, you know, do you remember this practice where you fell on your face and we all laughed at you, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, we still remember when one of my teammates crapped his pants during a practice. Game. People <laughs> never forget. People never forget. 
Yeah, we were, uh, you know, at the soccer game. It was one of the first games my son was at. Like, one of the kids who was definitely the best player on the other team. And, like, every time he scored a goal, he'd come over, like, to the sideline. His parents were right by me, you know, and he'd be like, that's, you know, three, that's three, right? Or that's four. And, like, (laughs) yeah. And, well, it turns out, like, one of our friends was also on the team. And she was like, oh, yeah, his parents give him a dollar for every goal he scores. And I was like, oh, man, that is. That's not because I was like, he's not taking dandelions though. Yeah. Well, I was thinking like with my son, like, man, I should like give my son a dollar. Like every time he tries to help a kid up, you know, cause these kids are falling all the time. And these kids are like, once they're on the ground, they're just kicking the hell out of them, you know, because they're just swinging legs. I'm like, man, I, you could teach kids better things. I don't think you should give kids money period, but like, yeah, there should be other, <laughs> other give them a dollar for an assist. Those kids yeah, never pass. You just went from ultra competitive to mother Teresa and like point yeah. five right there. Yeah, which, <laughs> which side are you on? I want to turn my competitiveness into a positive. <laughs> like, yeah, get good. out there and pick that kid up. Right. Like take those dandelions up. Yeah. Well, not, not the dandelions. We just like, feel. Hey, pass it to the, kid that never gets the ball here's a dollar like you know it's it's like these teaching moments it's just yeah weird at five yeah. that you're but like, we had hey, that, to score goals yeah, I was, about. the last couple of years I, I was coaching eighth grade girls basketball and, and like we had 16 girls out on the team and they they wanted me to cut to 12 mm-hmm. out here and i'm like even at that age i go gosh that's a young like well, why why are they traveling i mean no, it was just like, that's kind of what we do. We keep 12 people on the team. And I said, you know, with all due respect, though, like, I'm not going to. I'm like, <laughs> if they want to be at practice, I'm like, what a, like, what a malleable age, you know, where you're like, yeah, yeah. That could just destroy somebody at that age where it's just like, versus, hey, if you want to be on the team and you want to learn something and be here, then doesn't mean, cool. doesn't mean you're going to, doesn't mean you're going to play. Right? You're not, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, why, you know why couldn't so, you be on the team? Why can't you one of the, the most team? damn impressive things I've seen in the last year was actually at the um, the Bison Jackrabbits wrestling duel to close out their season this last year, yeah. back in February, and it was at it, it was in Brookings, and they it was Senior Day, mm-hmm. and they honored I think it was six seniors, and only one of those guys was starting this year. And he's yeah. he's the only guy who started in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Some of those guys were previous starters as like freshmen and sophomores and lost their spot, but stuck that shit out. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's impressive to go through, you know, four or five years of college for some of them and to have very minimal, you know, opportunity to start and yeah. to you know qualify for nationals, win, win championships. But yet you're still that committed to your team and um helping others i mean that is so impressive to me yeah Uh, i get more and more why would we start alienating that yeah i get more and more impressed with it too like in other sports like basketball now in college like because the transfer portal now it's so easy for these kids to ditch out like yeah same with football like ah man that's great that like i can't believe you're the backup quarterback for three years you know like that's that's playing for the team you know and it's so easy you know, it was one thing back in the day where you just sat there disgruntled with your scholarship because you couldn't do anything. But like now it's like, yeah, that's that's pretty cool to see these you know, three, four year backup kids that just contributed to the team the whole time and didn't see a ton of minutes. Yeah, but. yeah you can see value either way. Right. 
I mean, you can see the you can see the other point. If you're, but I don't fault somebody if you're that competitive and you truly believe that you could be a starter somewhere and that's where you want to you want to play. But you do it respectfully. I mean, I don't have a I don't have a major issue with that either. I think yeah. it's a little. I think it's gotten out of hand though, pretty pretty quickly, didn't it? I mean, it's only been the transfer portal's only existed for like what, two or three years. Yeah, if you look at the basketball transfer numbers, it's pretty crazy. And I'm not I'm not anti transfer portal either. I, I think it's kind of crummy to tell a twenty year old kid he has to stick with his decision he made at seventeen. Um, yeah. you know, if he's not happy and you know, it's, it well, is coaches it is, leave but, and, and all hmm. those things happen. Right. I mean, yeah. Coaches yeah. aren't committed. So I don't think the kids, I think it's going to probably settle itself out once these, after a few years go by and kids see that like, well, transferring because the NDSU had a lot of basketball kids transfer and, you know, to little to no success transferring somewhere else, less minutes, less points. Do you think um, it helped you see that Cox? in football too? What's that? Was that Jabril Cox that transferred? Yep, and his brother Jazir just transferred too. Oh no, I don't. I don't think it really helped Jabril very much. I, I was gonna say I don't. I didn't think I heard much of him coming out of LSU. Yeah, and I mean that that was kind of a bum deal because he transferred to LSU right after they won a championship, and then they're just tanked. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it bumped him up a few, but you know, um, I don't know if there's many guys that I can think of that transferred. And really went on to a ton of success. You know that USD kid, that Mooney kid in basketball. He, you know, he transferred to what was it Texas Tech, and they made it to. They didn't win, right? But they made it to championship final four. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's cool, but that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> no, because <laughs> you know? usually, uh, you know, it's like usually, you know, if if the talent's there, you're gonna play. You know, unless it's like a rare case where you're like, hey man, like they just like we're stacked in front of you. You know, hmm. like. Um, but yeah, that's, that was like a, that was like a, a Stan Van Gundy quote at one point was like, you know, they said, well, what's one thing you wish you knew about the NBA? And I think it's very applicable to NCAA too, where it's like how talented the last guy on the bench is that never plays mm-hmm. like how, how good this dude is and, uh, or gal. Um, but yeah. you know, it's, it's just, it is, it's just like so much talent, like to play at a, top tier school and then it's just everyone's that good you know mm-hmm. everyone's that yeah. good yeah you got to be just like crazy more physically gifted than everybody else or work way harder than everybody else you know um yeah. and then there's the rare people that have both of those things but mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's christian, so, the christian watsons yeah okay and then they better hope they don't get injured yeah, the, yes. I was I was going to do the other segue. <laughs> Nick, you you were in sports from such a young age. Did you feel like that ever predisposed you to injuries growing up? You know, being a young kid doing sports. Pretty. Is that, are you asking that question? Yeah, I asking that yeah. question and segueing into our topic today. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> think that contributed. Not at all. Do you think it made you tougher? That's a good question. I don't know. It's hard to answer because you don't know what you would have been like had you not. Yeah. I was already so dang tough. Yeah, no, I was. A, I was a piss. wearing cowboy boots <laughs> too. Jeremy. I mean, I asked my cowboy boots. Yeah, I mean, they were ride tough, baby. But I, you obviously get habituated contact. I mean, <clears throat> that's something that helps. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, you you know, there's there's dynamics at play. I remember taking a bad, like the worst ankle sprain I've ever had it was on my right my senior year of football, and 
it happened during our homecoming game and I wasn't, I mean, I kind of missed the second half because of it, but we, we routed that team. And so it wouldn't have mattered. I wasn't going to play anyway. So I looked at it that way as like a blessing and I rehabbed the heck out of that sucker for a week and didn't miss the next game. Mm. I mean, I was so worried about, I didn't want to lose my spot. You know, we were a pretty competitive program where we were, we were fairly, and we were fairly deep at line. I mean, offensive defensive line, that was where you kind of, we were all a dime a dozen. Even if we were pretty good, you had a lot of people there. So, I mean, it was, it was a good environment to keep pushing you forward. So, yeah, I mean, it, it did things like that. And I don't, think i truly don't believe that that led i mean i really haven't sprained my ankle since then yeah i just actually did it yeah i just wonder because you know we talk about obviously the chronicity of pain um becoming more prevalent right and you know one of the one of the ideas is that our society you know views pain differently now than we did 20 30 years ago where Right. When we were growing up or, you know, wrestling or whatever, you got hurt and, you know, walk it off, rub it on it. Right. Where, you know, nowadays, like you fall and scrape your knee on the playground and you have to go to the nurse's office. You have to get it cleaned up and a bandaid and you have to fill out an incident report and your teachers have to talk to your parents about it. Um, So a big sociologic shift. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're teaching people at a young age that pain's a serious event and you need to, you know, take care of it take it seriously yeah every ache and pain is like a big deal so you know it's just one of those things i was wondering like from a young age if you were like oh yeah i mean that's because even sports take it a little differently and i'm not saying we don't need to be really vigilant with concussions like because that is sure seems to be a pretty big deal but you know you go overboard either way yeah even sports though i feel like a lot of times has now gotten to the point where it's like now nope, let's get a trainer in. Let's check every single thing out, make sure everything's okay. And, you know, maybe even need to get it cleared before you can play again on a sprained ankle or, you know, sore back or yeah. something. Um, so it's just well, an interesting pretty, mindset change. Well, so rare this season to see Adam Thielen <clears throat> make that comeback. I mean, he, he rehabbed himself kind of busted ass to get back for like, I think it was the Rams game towards the end of the season. Cause, they still want to make a run and then he re-aggravated that ankle, you know, but it's so rare to see that anymore. Anyways, most guys, once they have what he had initially, they just get shut down, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and before you know it, you know, it's like week to week. And then all of a sudden they're like, ah, they placed him on IR. Yeah. And you're like, Oh man, you know? So I, I mean, I think that's, I still think, I, I don't know. I'm old school enough to think I respect the hell out of that because, you know, the likelihood of you doing excessive damage or, or, you know, taking it to a whole nother degree is pretty minimal. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I just saw that article. I was at uh, sports medicine with uh, uh, meniscus re- or meniscus removal versus re- leaving the tear there um, and yeah. showing like accelerated uh, degeneration to the joint, right? Like meniscus tears have the same degeneration as a normal non-tear joint where anybody that went in and had their meniscus yeah. removed, you know, what a uh, five, what five a times that's been promoted for. Yeah. Decades. You got to repair your meniscus or take it out. Like, yeah, it was five to 12 times. Like it'd be acceler- accelerated degeneration, you know, at one year versus five years. And it was pretty high numbers. It's crazy. Like, but then we can do a total knee later. <laughs> yeah. Right. Business makes that, business, baby. Uh, Case, wasn't that 
wasn't that one of the factor, like a positive factor? Wasn't that an Adrian Lowe thing, like the teaching kids about pain, like early early contact sports was a positive factor mm-hmm. for being able to deal with that and in coping strategies too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Some of those factors that like predispose people to chronicity, you know? Um, was it was it predisposed? Uh, I'm gonna forget now, but like, was it that predisposes them to chronicity or the opposite? I, Boy, I, I better not quote it. I would have guessed the opposite, but I'm not 100% sure. Off the yeah, top of my I, thought head. It was, I thought it was the opposite as well. <laughs> I think yeah. it's the opposite. Yeah. He, Maybe he, I'm he just himself, biasing like, my he, confirmation. but We'll have no, to put I, it in the, I in the comments right, later. Because <laughs> he himself talks about his up. And he, I, think, I remember him telling a story and an anecdote about him growing up in South Africa and playing with snakes and rolling the dirt all the time. And he tied it to the immune system. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I do think there's something there, obviously. Yeah. And you're, you're creating, you're creating all your mental framework at those young ages too. Yeah. And, and we've carried it now into adult life too, with work injuries and things, you know, go, you hurt your back. Like, here's like the 20 steps you need to go through to make sure your back's going to be okay to return to work. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just, and we wonder why disability is higher now than it's ever been. And, you know, yeah. I, I don't think it's, because we're, you know, I don't think it's because society's gotten soft. I, I just think it's, we just don't get the right message and we've created a lot of fear and it's just built on itself, right? Nobody wants to get sued. People are afraid of developing chronic pain because it's becoming more of an true, epidemic. Okay. So back up a second. You, yeah. you truly don't think uh-huh. society's gotten soft? Not even a little? <laughs> well, and again, I. I those guns, boy. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And maybe soft is a weird terminology, but I really don't think people nowadays want to be on disability more than they did 20, 30 years ago. I think they do. I think think the, I think again, the sociological construct of what it means to contribute in society is completely shifted. And people are now, we've normalized so many abnormal behaviors where now people are like, yeah, shit, I'll stay home. I'll stay home and collect that. I don't need to do that. Well, and I think there's probably a lot more to that than just, you know, pure mindset. You know, I, I think uh, they're just talking about on the radio too, of like the amount of people that like live with their parents now is like such a huge number. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people 20 to what is it? The 20 to 30 or 20 to 35, like the amount of folks in that age group not working now is way higher than it's ever been. Um and it's like, well, is it because they don't want to work or is like the motivation to work just not there? You know, like, does it, but does it matter? I mean, you're, that's, that's really semantics to me. And well, I think it's still, the root is still the same. We've shifted what the expectations are. Yeah. I don't know. I, sometimes I, I kind of get, you know, I don't get where it is because I've done lots of free work and, you know, that's, I think we would all agree why we've all gotten to where we are in our careers because we've done above and beyond for no guarantees on anything. Right. I mean, that's you, you bust your butt because you bust your butt and you take pride in what you do, but maybe you know, that's these, why we're at where we're at. Yeah. A hundred percent. I and, think so. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like society is just making it, I think harder and harder for people to get to that point. You know, you bust your butt for an entry level job. You know, for me, when I started out eight fifty was enough to have an apartment and eat food and like, make it you know i mean it wasn't a great life i was living on ramen but you know i had an apartment like it's pretty tough now i mean fargo a studio apartment's gonna cost you a thousand dollars a month now i mean 
Sure. <laughs> like, but you also raise, I mean, that, that goes down a whole other um, conversation related to, you know, the old, the old adage, does money actually make you happy though too, right? You know, and you're, if you're the right person who's wired to be like depressed and have problems, even if you make money and you can take care of yourself, you're still going to be depressed and have problems. I mean, studies show that too. Yeah, and I don't deny that factor. And that's why I think like those people now versus those people 20 years ago weren't working. I, I don't think that's changed much. But I think just the the entry level to like bust your butt at a job and take pride into it and feel like you have a chance to get better is harder and harder for people. I mean, I see it with even PT students. Like, man, you come out with a DPT with $150,000 in debt and you're going to make seventy thousand dollars a year like that's you know even with your doctor wish, wish somebody would have told me you know even with your yeah. doctorate like man you're gonna have to work pretty hard to get a house you know um you know you're gonna really have to manage your money. To wait a little bit yeah you're gonna like, have to wait you're gonna have to manage your money you know it's not yeah. like our parents who probably bought a house when they're 1920 after they had a job and you know, you got a loan and you got a house. Like I was pretty motivating. Now it's like, well, I can bust my butt, um, get a crappy studio apartment and not have anything, or I can live in my parents' basement and my parents will support me because they've made it right. Once you have money, it's easier to make money. Um, it, it's just different mindset, you know, and uh, some of it is like, I don't know how you change that. You know, I don't know how what we get back changing? there. You know, you I think, I think, yeah. I think our parent, like, I think our parents, like, were grinders say, dude, too. I'll, I'll say, I'm, I'm like, we didn't have like, you, but my dad worked the hell. He worked me under the table when he was yeah. in his prime versus where I'm at. I'm like that. That's real. Like, and and I'm not saying it's all wrong either. Like to you know have technological advances and stuff, but I do think generation by generation by generation we've seen that happen. Like that work yeah. ethics just gradually whittled down. And I think when we, I was just going to say, I, I think like when we look at, you know, like, shoot, we had such a, like a huge garden. We canned like us, like kids worked in the garden too. You know, yeah. it's like, it was like, we went without a lot of things. We didn't have like, I got a lot of socks for Christmas. We didn't get PS fives. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, like so much of like, I, I even like, I was telling you that the other day, Nick, like, sometimes it's so easy to get caught up and, and just be like, Oh man, like this is so hard. This is so hard. This is so hard. And then it's just like, man, like really blessed in a lot of ways. And and I think back to like what my, like what my parents made for a family of seven, Ooh. but like, I don't know how they did it, you know? And, yeah. and it's like, but I didn't like ever want for food, but they, yeah. uh, they obviously made sacrifices too, so that we didn't have to do that. Right. Like, I don't think it was just like, Oh, it's because they made eight fifty an hour and that was enough. It was like they made so many sacrifices. And so we look at it now and they're like, Oh, we made it, they made it, they've got a new truck, they've got a new house, they've got a boat, they've got a cabin. But there's also twenty-five years in there, thirty years in there where they were grinding and like giving up a lot of things. Yeah. So I you know, I don't know. I, I'm not saying like inflation's not real i'm not saying that that's not real either but i think it's pretty easy to get caught up in that trap to be like well, why do i have to work so hard for this little and it's like everyone wants to make more money you know and 
And I'm not saying hard work solves everything either, but it's like a lot. Cre- creati- creativity, you know, problem solving, being able to, you know, I like my, t- my toughest thing with the whole, gosh, we're getting the weeds here, but my <laughs> toughest, right. my, my toughest thing with the whole, like forgive student loans thing is like, I have friends that spent five grand a year in college to go to Cancun <laughs> spring break. And it's like, yeah, oh, I've got all these student loans. It's like, you also lived it up. You had, you bought new flat screens when you're in college. Like, they, and I don't, and I'm not going <laughs> to say that I didn't spend money on dumb shit either. Visors. <laughs> Visors. Oh, trunks full of them. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it, I will, I will agree with both of you on the fact that I think instant gratification is a problem in society. And I don't know. Yeah. That, that for sure is 100% a problem. And I remember that when I was in grad school, we talked about, uh, we had a, a few folks in our class that were pretty pretty political and, uh, you know, Obamacare was kind of becoming a thing. And they were talking about, you know, how how devastating it was as a student to have to pay your own health insurance because back then you couldn't be on your parents' health insurance yet. You know, at our age, we had to have our own. Um, and, you know, I had like a crappy Cobra plan or whatever for yeah. 70 bucks a month. It was catastrophic. I mean... Yep. If I got sick, I sure didn't go to the doctor, but I mean, if I got hit by a car, I was okay. Um, you know, and I remember there was people in our class complaining about the cost of healthcare, but they were all driving new vehicles. It's like, <laughs> what, what's like, yeah. what's that pay- monthly payment on your Prius? Like that's what, 300 bucks a month back then, 400 bucks a month. Like probably higher than that. Yeah. yeah don't, like, com- don't complain about the cost of healthcare. If you're driving a new car, like, yeah, yeah. you know, so there are some of that. There. Yeah. You know, there's definitely yeah. some of that in society, but I'm, I'm gonna, but and I'll stay away from the money topic. And I know we <clears throat> we got to shift into some of this actual rehab talk. But... This is lifestyle <laughs> medicine. It, this, this is what fires Jeremy up. A, I but I have a, no, I mean it is it is real world stuff, and, and I do have a line here that's tied to one of my lessons learned from an injury, and and that's that when I'm contributing, when I'm at my busiest, that I'm you know, you kind of sometimes feel like you're, you're overloaded. Right. But that's when I, I don't know. I feel like I rise up. I feel like I dial it in more and I in turn am happier. Actually, I'm less happy when I'm less busy. That's just me. And I know that's a heavy internal bias. And I, and I sometimes have a, I'm guilty of extrapolating that out broadly, but I do think there's a lot of immense um, benefit to people just, just freaking working their ass off. You know, rest where you need to, and then work your ass off. You should still go to your kids' games, though. Yeah, I, oh, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. But when you look at it, like I missed one football game last year, and it was just like this brutal. Like I would have, it was like you have to take off at noon and and all this stuff on like a Tuesday, and it, I don't know. I, there was some important stuff going on, but um, I look back and I'm like, is he really gonna like? That one seventh grade game you didn't make it to, you know. No, you won't remember that. No, no. And I do think even like again with my kids too, even at the young age too, I think there is like a learning moment for them too to be like, hey, dad's like, yeah, hey, buddy, I can't make your game because you know people are depending on me. Work's gotta, you know, there yeah, there are well, certain things like this, this is my way important of taking too, care of my family know? too, right? and that's why I tell them like. You know, this is how I support you guys. And, you know, there's a lot of people that depend on dad to do some things. And, you know, we're, it's not going to miss a ton of them. It's not that, you know, they're more important than you. But, 
you know, some things have to shift around, you know, like I I mean, you said that. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's not always going to be that. I, I look at it too, man. I'm in this for long haul. Right. So I can't, I can't tear through all my goodwill or, or mm. leadership equity right now with like seventh grade football for my oldest son. I mean, we have three more kids coming through and what's going to happen. I mean, what's the, what's my professional life going to look like when I'm, you know, when, when he's in varsity sports, if he, if he gets, you know, if he stays, we'll be, we'll be replaced by AI by then you'll, we'll be on universal basic income. We'll mostly (laughs) just be (laughs) full-time podcasters by then. So, I mean, we can just just do this on the road if we have to. Yeah. So what, okay. So let's get on this topic. I know God, we've really spun out and I hope our (laughs) listeners actually got something out of this. Um, We're getting hateful comments after this episode. (laughs) I want to start, I want to, I want to get to know you guys a little bit here. Cause I, I know Casey keeps asking me about injuries, but Mm -hmm. Casey, what Casey, Jeremy, like what, what's a major injury that you've sustained and you've kind of either rehabbed yourself through or, or went through process of rehab? I take great care of my body, Nick. I have had zero injuries. Uh, really, I mean, wings. yeah, <laughs> dealing with an injury right now in my stomach. Uh, no, I, I would say probably the two things I've learned. Um, uh, I've just dealt with a little low back pain. You know, uh, started in the hospital just lifting big patients in rehab dumbly when you know you start out your career and. You feel like you owe it to these patients to get them up and work on standing, work on walking. And when they're max assist at 400 pounds, that's a lot of weight. Um, so, <gasps> about, yeah, right. Developing, you know, it's not like we had lifts and um, a lot of extra staff to come help these people up. So, I wasn't going to sit there and do long arc quads with somebody that was 400 pounds for 10 sets of 20. You know, like, let's stand yeah, in the yeah. parallel bars. Like, you know, we got to get some yeah. weight through you. We got to get you confident. Um, well, that led to some back pain at those times. And like now throughout the years, 12 years, uh, yeah, once or twice a year, I get up about a back pain that um, I would say is more significant where we're talking about six, seven, eight out of 10 pain with some ridiculous okay. pain at times. Um, but I would say it's interesting and go on, Jeremy. It seems like you have something you want to say. I was just curious yeah. if there were trigger points involved. Zero trigger points. I've never uh, once uh, okay. <laughs> treated it with a foam roll. I've never used a Theracane on it. Um, but, you know, I, which, is, I, which is trash anyways. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, w- I would say that, you know, the interesting part, though, I would say in the last three years, probably of my career, I've managed my low back pain way better than five, 10 years ago when I had bouts of back pain. Uh, now when my back pain starts up, it goes away within a day or two, you know, with some just active movement. I load the heck out of it at work between patients. And, um, you know, I load up and I do lifts and chops and I get on the chair. I do lumbar extension with a ton of weight. Um, you know, a lot different than I did 10 years ago where I took ibuprofen and, um, iced it between patients and, (laughs) you know, um, did that stuff, you know, and it's, so it's been kind of cool to see how my body's responded way faster just with like loading like if my back hurts like the number one thing i tell my wife is like i gotta get to the gym tonight like i got i have to go to the gym tonight because that's i know i can load it up and by tomorrow it's gonna feel better um where like i said yeah 10 years ago it's like oh my back's killing me like i just want to lay down you know i gotta rest it um and i thought 
too. Like, oh, I, you know, I lifted too heavy of a patient and I, you know, my back's hurting now. Like I got to let it heal. And now when my back hurts, I'm like, it's just telling you overdid something, you know, um, it was applicable. Cause like Tuesday, my daughter was home sick. So I stayed home with her all day and we just kind of snuggled on the couch cause she wasn't feeling good. And like, <laughs> man, like that night, my back started killing me. Like to the point where mm-hmm. I got on the floor, yeah. I was doing prone press ups, lumbar rotation, um, anything I could. Here, that's Jeremy McKenzie stuff. Motion through there. <laughs> so I also good. did knees to chest, Jeremy, and those actually felt way better than the prone press ups. Um, Weird. Uh, yeah. And same with standing <laughs> flexion. I don't mind uh, McKenzie down again, though. Yeah, yeah some people are great, right, but I need to get vertical. Yeah. I, I would just call it you know, directional preference and leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Keep the dogma at home. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, like, so yesterday at work, I was, I was pretty sore. Um, but then today it was fine. Like I barely even feel it. So, you know, it's one of those things that I just heal. I feel like I heal faster and I'm not in as good a shape as I was 10 years ago. So that's kind of cool. Um, you know, the other thing when I had my gallbladder out, you know, I was, uh, that was kind of a wild deal. And I gotta say, man, I tried doing like scar mobs on myself, yeah, you know, yeah. those little scope sites. That was way more uncomfortable than I thought. When I used to tell my patients, yeah, the hell out yeah. of that thing. Like, it's just scar tissue. It won't hurt. Uh, I was wrong. <laughs> that sucker, like, especially those <laughs> abdominal scars. When I started working yeah. on them, like instantly that like systemic response of like nausea and like, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I was like, I'm so sorry. Everybody I ever told to just dig the hell out of those things. Cause that was miserable. Well, you gotta, I think there's value to it. Cause I had an appendectomy when I was like 13 and I never touched a scar like ever. Yeah. And then I got into therapy school and I started like, Oh, learning about scar molds. And I do something, it would like sting all the way around it. Yeah, but now it's like completely asymptomatic. But I went like jeepers, like 13, 14 years without touching it. And then you go to move it, and you're like, holy crap, this is like really uncomfortable, like you're saying. And, yeah. And then you get after it, you do it enough, maybe it's just desensitized tissues. Yeah, wh- whatever it is. And I mean, I kept working on it too because I was like, man, I'm sure this is like it shouldn't hurt to palpate scar tissue, right? I mean, it just should be yeah, not that, normal scar no. tissue. I mean, it shouldn't be painful. So, I mean, I work through it. It's fine now. So, you've but, been fairly blessed. Well, I would say 100%. Clean uh, ledger. Very, very little injuries throughout my career. Um, oh. So, been good. Yeah. So, that's why I always just tell people, suck it up. Like you can't hurt that bad. <laughs> <laughs> what about the, let's go to the big man. With the, you, had a, you had a jacked up ankle. Uh, yeah bigger they are the harder they fall you know uh gosh i think the last i was i was thinking through it too i've been like i feel like pretty blessed too in terms of injuries um yeah my left ankle like that's probably been the extent of it just like some chronic uh sprains for that um so um yeah it's always been self-rehab um and, uh, yeah, I mean, just letting the healing process take place. And then in terms of, uh, I try to integrate that into what little training I do now. Uh, but a lot of single leg work, um, and it's paid off for me. Um, I'd say with Casey too, you get the, right. The occasional low back pain stuff, but again, it's yeah. nothing that's, what do you do when, been, when you, when you feel something, what do you do? Um, 
I, I would just say move. I don't necessarily like, I'm, I'm not like jumping to load it up, but um, just moving, um, walking, uh, stretching, um, no McKenzie. Um, I don't Makes do that. Makes sense. Yep. Um, but Williams yeah. flexion guy. I get it. <laughs> no, it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of movement. I mean, I don't, not a big foam roller guy. I'll, I don't know. I'll use it if my mid back feels tight a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't even say like I have a single go-to thing. It's just move. So. Mm-hmm. And I just think about that. Like, I think about that too. Is like, is it just like, what, what makes that right? Like you talk about framework and, and uh, you know, the psychological side of it, is it just cause we're like, yeah, this isn't a big deal. It's going to be fine. And it mm. is, yeah, yeah. you know, um, the fact that we know, we know to do that. It's not serious. You know, it's safe, it yeah. Just move. And it helps you understand. I think it's important to know the differential, right? <clears throat> help you differentiate when you do have something serious because yeah. you've been through these mild, you know, bouts. And then when something does actually happen, like you're okay, maybe I got to do something a little bit more with this one. Yeah. I, I yeah. will say, usually I like always have students with me. So, so I will have them like, move and manip my back um mm-hmm. but again it's the the framework of once they do that then i make them go see my patients and then i just sit on the functional trainer and rotate deadlift that uh, you know <laughs> do all the movements just try everything um make them see my patients. yeah <laughs> so i will say i've had my students work on me and again it's not because i think like oh yeah you gotta push a disc back or you know you gotta manip me to make me feel better but i do know like that's gonna give me a good like 20 30 minute window um where i'm going to feel better um so i'd rather do that than hammer out ibuprofen and acetaminophen um yeah those are kind of my go-to's i'm not a pharmacist uh for those listening that's just what i like to do but if i do have to take pain pills but pretty minimal i would say pain med wise i don't Mm -hmm. know you guys ever take pain pills i mean i'm and i don't need to know i'm an ibuprofen guy like It's wrong. Ibuprofen is rare for me. Yeah, it's really, really rare. Pretty bad for me. Like, I'll, Mm -hmm. if I'm still hurting by like two, three in the afternoon, I might take one just to finish my day out. But yeah, like I said, I like to mix ibuprofen and acetaminophen. That's again, not uh, not a pharmacist, but look on the research on that. Works pretty solid. But um, yeah, definitely try to avoid that. I'm definitely not like a get up sore, take pain meds guy. I'm like, I'm going to try a tough tough my day no. through as much as i can and if it starts to get worse throughout the day just to finish because i know yeah. i can't i'm not going to go home again we talk about that mindset like i'm not going to go home at one o'clock because my back's sore um yeah but i also like am not going to hobble around my patients so i will take it once in a while just to mask that but yeah sure yeah yeah only well, you you've obviously got the best story here yeah probably because he started sports at such a young age but that's probably that's it <laughs> you know too much you're, you're, today, right? your fragile body could only take so much that's, <laughs> that's it. Uh, you like just a, kept filling that cup up until everything exploded uh, really, i'm just a, I'm a potato on toothpicks just yeah no, I mean, but I mean, I was actually one of one of them that I was referencing here was actually goes back to about 2009 when I had a, um, a left lumbar radiculopathy situation that actually was severe enough to have foot drop for a while. 
And I had some pretty dark days with that. <clears throat> but I was lucky to have some therapists here in the clinic uh, who could help me like on lunchtime. And, and I did lean into some extension-based stuff simply to get vertical because I had a hard time even like moving to neutral spine, mm-hmm. neutral hip position. Um, but that, that one foot I was, drop like constant? Where did that come was, and go? Mm, I still got a little bit. <clears throat> like when I run with yeah. L5 and uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of, that kind of freaked me out for a while. Yeah. That's kind of, I've always wondered that, like, did you just like kill bill where you just stared at your foot and you're like, move towards me. I and it just like, I was yeah, I like, I've I never was. experienced anything like that. Well, I like, what, was it okay? It wasn't severe enough to where if I was unloaded playing supine, I could move it right mm-hmm. but you'd move it down into like short sitting now it almost feel like it was work i was like god it's work to raise my foot it's just a dumb concept to even mm-hmm. fathom and then what it was most noticeable when i walk and it like almost tripping myself up and it was, that was very frustrating and scary yeah no you know? kidding and it's it's a lot better now a lot better now but <clears throat> for a while i was very nervous about it definitely unloaded that maybe maybe that was a who knows maybe you could say 10 years later 12 years later that was a contributing factor to my quad rupture maybe i was perennially weak on my left side and predisposed myself no but i don't prescribe to that i think that's a bunch of shit um, <laughs> it was just a fluke injury wildly fluke injury that happened last summer and the only singular precipitating factor i could even think of is that throughout the course of the summer and this is just a maybe i was leaning into some overtraining i was usually doing two workouts a day where i'd like do some cardio based stuff in the morning and then weights in the evening and um definitely definitely was overdoing that but again just chalk it up to a fluke injury um so the quad rupture happened playing football on july 31st surgery happened on august 5th I think I started therapy about a week and a half later and a big shout out. We like our shout outs here. So shout out Ryan Lambert, who we had on here as a guest. Um, he was my evaluating therapist. Um, he did an awesome job kind of getting me up and getting my quads to fire again and get some range of motion going. And then I had um, some really excellent care from, from Kirsten Burley and um, Ashley Holm, um, who really helped to guide a lot of those uh, subsequent treatments and Pushed me where I needed to be pushed. I mean, that was what I really needed from those guys. And it was a, it was a unique situation because every one of them were people that I hired and that I trained at some level and mentored along at some level. So now you're looking at them to treat you just like any other patient. And that's a, you know, I can, I totally respect the situation that they're in and how maybe uncomfortable that can be too, you know, um, uh, what do you want to do today? A lot of things. What, what do you want? What do you want to do, Nick? And I was like, you know, and I so and and expecting that, I generally have like two things. I'd say these are the two things that I'm kind of thinking of, but you, otherwise, it's up to you. Otherwise, it's your call. You know, tell me what. Tell me what you think I need. Where did need you have a protocol after surgery? Yeah. Yeah. Did you stick to it? Most, most accelerated it a little bit. Yeah, chances well, of your I surgeon did, listening right? are low. <laughs> but, but what I learned with this, so you raise a great point that what I had was pretty rare, right? These things don't happen all the time. They're not as common, nearly as common as an ACL. I just had tons mm. of people 
on the community and in church who were just asking me like, Oh, did you blow your ACL? I'm like, not exactly. It's a little different. And, and so what this I is a way more in, manly injury. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you see my cutoff? <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing a cutoff. You think I just blow my ACL out? But, but the, the difference is that if it's you're sleeping, you know, you, and you can overdo, you can, you can, you can overdo things when you're rehabbing ACL, right? They, hmm. they can push too hard and they can create inflammation and that can down the chain affect the graft's adherence, right? I mean, there's some studies that support that. Um, when you're, when you're literally repairing connective tissue though, and then you go to work it, that, that was very ingrained in my head that the harder I work that stuff, then the likelihood goes up much, much higher that I could re-injure it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's gotta be more staggered and more, <clears throat> more of a phased approach. So, um, I mean, that, that was a big difference. I learned I had to pull back a lot, much as I wanted to. Yeah. Did you get to that point where you're like, man, I like, cause you get that sometimes with ACL patients where they're like, dude, it feels great. Like I let's rock and roll. And you're like, man, like we got to respect the tissue healing. Like, or, was, or did your body give you a pretty good, like, eh, don't do that. No. Like. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, my body is always telling me, man, it's, it's not the strength. The strength component was always very, very much in my head. You know, that's, you're hyper aware of that. And, um, and range of motion took a while. I mean, especially for, for me, I've, I've never had issues with mobility. Mm. So to be in that situation and have such a, such a stark contrast, right. To left, it was, you know, let's yeah, let's take care of those things. So that, that was easier to manage at least mentally. I always wonder like from your perception with range of motion, like, did it feel like tissue restriction versus guarding versus like just uh, pain, you know, like, or was it, could pain. you tell, you know, very like, little pain. It, it would manifest itself as pressure sometimes, mm-hmm. especially like in the back of my knee. So I equated that to edema in there. Yeah. Intercraps or edema still present in there. Um, but never, never along. Like I, they, those guys were always great about asking me like, like, is that too much? Are you feeling about your tenant? I'd be like, no, I'm getting, and I'd tell them, I'm like, need the quad, right? Like midpoint. Mm-hmm. And then I definitely where, where they helped me a lot was, getting me prone applying a little bit of relative hip extension to get my hip flexors mobilized too because my left hip flexor got so freaking jacked after being in a, i had to be in a lock brace for eight weeks coming out of that sucker and anytime i was upright outside of therapy you know not doing my exercises so that that's i mean and i still peak. walked a lot yeah yeah i was paying like a lot and then you get that's a comp yeah, that's probably after the first three or four days post-surgical that's where i had all my pain was in my hip flexor on the left and that's the same side you had sciatic yes. issues on yep so it was already probably a sensitized side to that peg leg motion yeah, perhaps perhaps yeah. but that was you know i think again I, I mentioned this earlier i think i had when I, when I was in the throes of that thing my actual my mood was I, I look back and fairly high because I had goals, right? And I had things I wanted to shoot for and accomplish. And I think for, in a weird way, it was a blessing that way. Like I do, again, I go back, I do better when I have a very like, I don't know, linear process to follow and I can go and chase those goals. Um, I did learn, I, I learned firsthand, and I've shared this with patients too. I, you have to commit to your therapy. 
and you got to be the one who takes ownership over it. You know, like I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't expect those other guys as much as I, <clears throat> I love those guys and care about them. I shouldn't expect them to care about my knee as much as I do. Like there's not one single person on this planet that should care about it as much as I do. So I had to do everything I could to, to kind of do it, to manage that. I like that. That's a great so point. I, I, preach, I preach the same thing to my patients. I'm like, and, and I try not to, I, I'll, every now and again, I'll use that as an anecdote to kind of explain, like I have empathy for them or what they're experiencing, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, man, I, I really need you to take, take ownership on this. Like you're the one who needs to care the most. I'm going to use that as an anecdote now. You're going to use, you're going to fake, friend, a, fake a My friend, Nick, my friend, Nick says, <laughs> yep. No, I like it. I no. really do. And yeah. it, I, I remember you saying like, not that long after the fact, like when you were pretty like in the thick of it, it's like, wow. Like, just like the the mental shift and the increase in empathy for what people are going through too, like oh, where yeah. you're just like it was just like a like a recommittal Dude. to the process because Everything. you can get into the you know day to day grind and yeah. rut and yeah this is the spiel I give and <laughs> da, da 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 and yeah but, but then yeah, when you, you, you know there's there's a lot of empathy now <laughs> I mean I had, like, <laughs> I had issues um, like I've, I've told people like when you're in a lock race like that. And let's say you got to go number two, right? There's a process to even getting yourself <laughs> into that situation. And then you better damn sure make sure your right leg's strong enough to do a single leg squat <laughs> up off the toilet when you're done. Mm, I would um, poop take, my pants, 100%. Okay. You, you would poop, Casey would poop his pants. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have the time to deal with a brace. <laughs> That's a byproduct of the gallbladder, though. So Yeah, things like anxiety in the shower. I mean, just like <laughs> this fear of falling, slipping, yeah. like we talk about irrational things, but temporarily there for a while, it was like, oh my God, there's maybe just too much soap on this floor. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you get into any of that? Like with like return to sport, like return to hopping, jumping. Yeah. Did you run into I, any blocks I, that, that way? Once I, once I got past running though, <clears throat> with just the time frame, we were, we were already in like three and a half months of therapy mm-hmm. by the time i was clear to run, actually four right at four um and i just really wanted to be able to run that was my thing so all the re, all the higher level stuff like the like the hopping the agility stuff that stuff i've done more independently and i'm still continuing to do trying to do as much unilateral as i can to to bring some symmetry back in yeah Great point. I mean, and I, I was joking That's, with some guys earlier. I'm like, maybe I was losing that before, though. I mean, <laughs> I I don't know what my expectations are anymore at all. Yeah. No, it, it's like that's always been one of the craziest things is like, you know, again, ACL more common, but where you can have somebody have like all the tools to do it. And then there's just that block there. You know, it's just yeah. that's a traumatic thing to go through, you know you hear athletes over and over and over again, like talk about the dark days of rehab and they're not rehabbing twice a week or once a week. They're, (laughs) they're doing it all day, every day, full time, getting every, every possible treatment. And they're still like, man, this was so hard to go through, you know? And Mm -hmm. just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do some jumping tomorrow. Like our elite class. I'm going to, I'm going to do some of that, obviously to demo and, and kind of work in, take advantage of that. 
Yeah, I have to say when we talk about like pain experiences, you know, I've obviously talked to you about this and it's like I was uh, uh, playing soccer with my son after a game and like I was obviously just cutting his ass up out there on the field. I mean, yeah. just crossing Slice over. Slicing dice, baby. Yeah. Chop, chop, chop. And yeah, there was uh, yeah one time where I hit a just a killer move on him and, you know, my knee like kind of gave that little like, you know, how you kind of had mentioned, you know, prior <laughs> To your injury where it was like oh that was a weird feeling mm-hmm. but like instead of being like well eh, yep that's fine i would probably just twist it like i was like we're done son <laughs> like i should have i should have oh, got all those near you're talking about the near slips i told you about yeah. in, in your sinooks in my like, yeah, like under over boat shoes yeah well i had my decisions. stupid work loafers on so i was like oh, yeah, we're, I we're was, done with soccer for two i mean years. i look back and it was literally like we're playing in the dark it's 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 wrapping up and and it's like the the i can't even make this up the last play like we're gonna do this one final play and then we're gonna head in i'm going deep and i'm gonna cut. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, cha, cha, cha. this is touchdown city you were the but cop the that was gonna when, retire tomorrow and just got shot yeah. huh that yeah. was you yeah. oh god one day for retirement <laughs> Thing. Uh, but when that we're going back to like those those minor injuries and when you when you have that type of habitual mindset that this is this is minor and I can get through it when something serious happens that's an island yeah okay. it's like I knew I knew laying in that wet grass I'm like no this way is no. not good <laughs> <laughs> this is not like your dumb little weekend flub up that you'll limp off for a couple of weeks and you're gonna be fine like you can't move your leg. Yeah, I was like, ah, ah, it's not worth it. Kick kick the ball into the net yourself, son. Yeah. You're doing good. <laughs> well, let's Get talk about this. Was, this over there. And that's, and, that's why, got, and that's why I don't go on vacation. We got to go on oh. vacay, baby. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Nick's knees vacay ready now. <laughs> yeah, right. you can sit in the, in the shallow end of the pool and get margaritas all day. Mm. Oh, that's that easy. So Could have did that with a brace on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Would have been a good idea. Uh, therapy, top, mental therapy. So we are on to the top five, 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 five. <clears throat> and this week is our top five vacation experiences um, that we each partake in. So um, I guess I, I feel like I've been going last lately. I can go first. I can go kick some off here and do like it, man. Lay the do framework, it, do it. boys. Yeah, let's finish so, with Jeremy today. I like that. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was going to be in the sandwich. No, it's going to get weird if we keep doing <laughs> You're that. You're always in the sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Time to try to... a bun out, son. <laughs> Too much meat. Too much meat. <laughs> to shift it. Yeah. I don't think we've laughed enough. All right. Number five was uh, a destination wedding of my good friend Ryan Zink from back Carrington now. Um, was living in Colorado. They went to they got married. Him and his wife Sarah got married at Turks and Caicos, which is just Ooh. one of the most beautiful places on God's green earth. This was 2009. Fully inclusive. We stayed at Beaches Resort, which is a more family-friendly version um, of Sandals. It's like Sandals, family-friendly, cool place. So, um, great time. Again, we get some, got some snorkeling in. Got to see some sharks from afar. That was pretty cool. Zip lining? Um, did not zip line on this one. Smart. No, no. 
Nope. Don't. It was very, it was Don't. a little bit more regimented being in a, you know, I was, I was a groomsman in this wedding. So you gotta, you know, there's certain things you gotta do. <laughs> not, not a lot, but there was just some things we had to do from a time frame standpoint. So, um, where would you, all. have you, have you, maybe you'll get to this. Have you ever snorkeled or like scuba dive? Snorkeled many times. Yeah. What was your stance on eels? Was it like snakes of the sea? Ugh. Ugh. I, I'm not, you know, I'm less, I mean, eels aren't cool, but for some reason they freak me out less than like. Snakes. Ever since Little Mermaid. Yeah. I'd rather see an eel than a snake on top of the water. Yeah. They're too, they're too fat. I think they're too fat and thick. They don't scare me quite as much, but they're ugly buggers. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I had a student <laughs> who was like, uh, they were going on a honeymoon and they were playing this honeymoon. And there, his wife, uh, wife to be, was like, "We gotta go snorkeling." And this kid's like, "Do the scuba." He's like, uh, "Dude, I'm definitely afraid of eels." And I'm like, "What?" He's like, "They have giant teeth." Like I, I'm like really? for sure a snake, uh, you know, an eel will bite me. And I'm like, "Dude, He's nobody has ever been bitten by an eel, right?" And they we're get like, electrocuted. Yeah, we're like. Uh, <laughs> six weeks into a 12-week thing and my patient is a, a scuba diver and we're talking about it she's like that's funny you should mention that she's like i got bit by an eel and she pulls up her pant leg and she's got a scar that's like three inches by three inches oh, like okay. that's so gonna take these eels seriously <laughs> she's like it yeah took, like it took a chunk out Shark. of her and then because of all the blood in the water like they like Sharks everybody came. had to get out yeah everybody got the care yeah. Um, from the sharks. Yeah, so, right. well, yeah, well, that be sucks. afraid. That's a new fear for yeah, you. I'm still, I still my, it's still my number five vacation. Though. I, like I like it. I like it. Curious about your phobias. So, <laughs> I might, I might, I might lean into one later. They don't have eels in Green Bay. Mm. Fun fact. I guess the Turks Tur- and Caicos probably like, mm, three thousand miles from Green Bay. <laughs> Only one way to know. <laughs> Producer Jeremy. <laughs> so that was, uh, I'll produce that one. <laughs> that was your number five then? That's my number five. Yeah. My number five actually is uh New York City, New York. Uh my wife used to go there for work quite a bit. So I tagged along one weekend with a buddy, and his wife also worked with my wife, and they both went there. So we uh flew a flight and did a long weekend there. And you know, it was surprising to me. Like I kind of thought. I would hate New York just being like small town, North Dakota, New York's like the exact opposite, but it was a blast, man. That city is alive. There's so much to do there. It was so fun. It helped that my wife had been there multiple times for work. So like they knew these cool restaurants, uh, you know, every little building, you know, has like five or six restaurants in it. It's just a wild thing. We took a boat tour around the Island. That was pretty cool. Just to like kind of take in, how big New York is slash how small New York is. You know, when you talk about 10 million people or whatever, probably up to 15 million now, you know, in such a, actually not a huge area when you ride a boat around it, you're like, oh, that's crazy. All these people are living here. Um, Central Park was cool. That's way bigger, I guess, than I imagined it could be. I mean, we spent like half a day there and didn't touch half the stuff there. Um, 9-11 museum, super powerful. Um, not a big emotional guy, but I cried in public. Um, so there's oh, just yeah. some things there that hit you pretty hard if you're not ready for them. And I didn't know much about it. Um, people do things different there, though. I know we met my wife at Bender's there, you know, so we met them at the bar one night. People don't mm. drink there like we drink here, though, because we got there. Me and my buddy were like, well, let's do it up. Like we went Get to some a, beers. 
yeah, I'll get some beers, right? Like we went to a barcade. Um, so we had like dollar beers. Yeah, beers were like eight bucks or something, you know. Uh, and we had like four or five beers while these people like showed up and they're like, I can't believe your husbands are drinking so much. And we're like, we're playing it cool. If I'm going to be honest, like <laughs> these beers are eight dollars, you know, you don't know, like literally yeah. everybody we were with just bought like a, you know, a whiskey Coke, which was like 15 bucks and they'd never touched it. Like they just put it in front of them, you know, um, it was also one Posers. of my <laughs> saddest moments. Cause it was a barcade and I have an arcade at home and, I had been practicing Donkey Kong for like a month because I was like original. Yeah. For that like, moment. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I think because we had talked about going to a barcade because that was before Fargo had one. And I just loved arcades. So I was like, dude, I'm gonna try to get on the leaderboard on that sucker. Um, so I practiced and practiced and practiced, and I got pretty solid at Donkey Kong. I was too drunk at the bar. I could not make the leaderboard. It was very disappointing. <laughs> it's like I couldn't get past the third screen. And they they shipped your ass back to North Dakota. Yeah, then I started wandering the streets of New York at about three in the morning, um, looking for a slice really? of pizza. That was you talk about goals, Nick. Mine was like street vendor pizza. You know, like mm -hmm. I yeah. always think of maybe you guys weren't big into this movie, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live action, the first one, yeah, like when the movie yeah. starts, like every five seconds, they show these giant ass pizza slices. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I need one of those. And then maybe end up in the sewer later. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't <laughs> think that, I, I didn't, I didn't find pizza. You, I didn't you get find some other ooze in the sewer. But not, not <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, New York, that's my number five. It's a blast. I felt super safe there too, which was uh, fun. Like I thought I would be, you know, like getting mugged, but I'm drunk at four in the morning, wandering the streets. Um, and yeah, just came home with my wallet. So it was a good, great trip. Recommend. <laughs> I, I'm not as high on New York city. Um, I'm not, I used to want to, but it just hasn't been I, there for me for a while. I've been there once and, uh, uh, doling. I almost put Chicago on there. That, that can be an honorable mention. That was like a work uh, trip though. It was. It wasn't really a vacation, but we had a good time there and yeah, a lot of a good, lot of good, a lot of good food. Uh, that was the that first was time I ever learned Casey, about Casey, Casey talked about pizza, but remember that was my goal. Like we had yeah. to hit up like we had to eat deep dish. We had to eat Chicago or hot Italian beef. Gene and Jude's. Yeah, Gene and Jude's. Six inch thick pizza. God, it was so good. Everything that was, was so good. good. <laughs> um, guys, I went nostalgic for my number five. Uh, when uh we were gosh i had to be like seven years old uh we took a trip out to yellow uh yellowstone in the black hills oh, um man. that was my number five uh it was pretty dang cool um we didn't we didn't vacation a lot as kids so uh yeah, like we were going going multiple states over mm -hmm. we took like a two-week trip and uh stayed in this crappy pop-up camper um uh, Recently, I'm I'm not a camper either. That's like full disclosure. Um, and my parents were out visiting, and I was like, "Did you guys enjoy that?" And they were like, "Yeah, it was a blast." You know, I'm like, "Really? What?" Like, <laughs> I imagine, like, I imagine from that side now, like, I thought it was so cool and like what an adventure. But then I'm like, I think of that from the parents' side now, and I have one child, and it's oh, it's work. So doling, you've got seventeen. I can't imagine what what uh 
Yeah, but a road I trip some, is. we're we're wires, <laughs> parents that are like you just got to say it earlier, anecdotally how your how your dad, you know, they work so hard and yeah, you know, they they did what they could. So to them, a trip like that's freaking awesome. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like that's right. another thing I'm looking back on. We take our kids somewhere like multiple times every year. Yeah. And and just like you, we went on one Black Hills trip my entire childhood. Yeah. Like we that did that. It. We did that. We had my uh, my other close uh number five was Wisconsin Dells and the same crappy pop up camper. And uh but yeah, no, it was just a big deal to get out of the state. Uh yeah. And to drive through, we got to see some bears. We thought bears were going to eat us. Um, yeah, <sighs> overall, it was cool. So cool. that's my number cool. five. Nice. All right, moving on. My number four was uh, none other than uh, Michelle on my honeymoon in Puerto Ooh. Vallarta, Mexico, 2006. Uh, <clears throat> I believe the... Uh, she's going to be pissed. Called? That's number four. No, she's, she's on here a couple. She's on here again. <clears throat> okay <laughs> um, but but i think she'd agree with this too we're almost it's like you're young like we got married when we were 24 um and we were and because it was our honeymoon we didn't go out and about as much you yeah. know we we did a lot of room service i mean we had we had a great time um it was crazy hot we it was like late july that year and uh I think it was over 100 degrees every day we were down there. So, I mean, you get to get, and the sun is intense down in Mexico, like everybody telling you. So, very conscientious of that. But, but really good time. Um, uh, did some touring, did some sailboating. Um, well, I got anything else I'm going to save for later on. So, just keep it short and sweet. Good one. All right. My number four was also my honeymoon. Uh, oh to Negril, Jamaica. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I'm not a big leave the country guy, but I sucked it up. Uh, yeah, we went to all, all inclusive. It was what it was, resort? Uh, who knows, Jeremy? I, yeah, know I, can't I, I was trying to remember ours too. It was like Paradise Club. It wasn't hedonism too, club. I'll tell you that. We missed Ooh. out. Uh, we did pick some folks up from there though. That was it the Rio? Like Rio? Wild. No, that doesn't sound right. Uh, I think it was like a chain uh, yeah. place. Well, Rio is, Rio is a chain. Who knows? Yeah. I, I don't do a lot of these vacays like this. But yeah, it was a it was a fun trip. I'd never done the all inclusive thing. We didn't take vacation as a kid either. Um, you know, we our hotel overlooked the the, the nude beach, so that was exciting. Uh, every day <laughs> as we walked to the normal beach, I was like, "Well, we uh, sneak a left here," and my wife was like, "No, we're not doing that." Um, but then she wanted this, like these couples massages. So I, I called into the guy and I was like, Hey, I, you know, I'm looking to get up a couples massage. Um, and you know, they, they, they speak English there, but it's sometimes hard to understand. And I got off the phone and I'm like, I think I might've just scheduled two massages for myself. I'm not a hundred percent sure. So we walked down to the place and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm, I have some sort of massage scheduled, you know? And the guy's like, Oh yeah, we got you down for a couples massage. Do you, you know, do you want it in the cabana or one of the massage rooms? And I was like, what's the cabana? He's like, oh, it's just a, like an outside cabana. I was like, okay, well, let's do that. That seems pleasant. Beautiful day. <laughs> so we start walking and I'm like, why aren't we going to the cabanas like uh, here? Like, why are we walking? Uh, and we start walking towards the beach. We take that sweet, sweet left. And my wife looks at me like you have planned this this whole time. 
And she, thinks want, you guys just, she thinks you want to just yeah. get naked together on this public beach. Yeah, like apparently. That's your motivation? <laughs> no, That's I think she thinks I mostly want to see people naked on the beach. Okay. I, I don't think she was like, yeah. He just wants to be helicoptering down the beach, having the time of his life. Like, I don't think that's what she thought I was looking for. But yeah, so we like walked through the entire length of the nude beach uh, to make it to this cabana, you know, and this whole time my wife is, she's like red faced and I'm kid in a candy store. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. And we get to the cabana and the guy's like, all right, like, you know, get naked. And we're like, uh, like no privacy he's like oh i mean we can drop the shades if you'd want and, yeah right best massage i've ever had in my life if i'm gonna be honest i i do do massages and that one was good that, they killed it wasn't just the environment it was a good massage. He so, yeah, that was a great trip uh, that was my number four the grill jamaica you know like oddly enough casey like that's why I asked if it was real. Uh, mine is Jamaica as well, also on the grill. Um, we went we went down there for uh, a buddy's wedding. We were down there for like Monday through Friday. It was just a crazy fun trip. Mm-hmm. Also, my first experience with a uh, all inclusive uh, motel. I, it was that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, did you take a left at the turnpike? We did not. Wait, <laughs> my we so it was a college teammate some of my favorite memories on this trip holy smokes there was a uh uh jerk chicken uh guy that was selling jerk chicken every afternoon uh on the beach mm-hmm. and uh we went there and uh every afternoon great food right <laughs> and so we had buddies that would go up and they were like oh well you know, like Jamaicans are fast, right? Like, so he would go and, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and just, knowledge. yeah, right. So he, he would just talk trash and be like, oh no, like let's, let's sprint on the beach. And they were talking about it, like, you know, same bolts and he's doing this, right. And he's, you know, by early morning had a few drinks, right. And uh, so it's All two in the afternoon yeah. and they're just talking and he's just, just talking mad trash to this guy and they're you know like did they give you any warnings when you went to the grill like oh when no, we were there i don't think so they said don't go to kingston <laughs> when when we were there it was like don't leave the resort right mm-hmm. they're yeah, just like you you'll get you'll get mugged right like it's and maybe the drive maybe from not. the airport to my resort was all the messaging I needed not to leave the resort. Correct. Correct. I almost <laughs> peed my pants on the way back to the, to the airport. That was terrible. It was a long drive, but anyways, the guy had like narrow road. The guy had like multiple, uh, uh, like kind of like cuts in his eyebrows. And so my buddy's just happy go lucky idiot from Iowa and, uh, just talking mad trash to this dude. And we get back and they're like, yeah, don't, don't mess with this dude. Like he's in one of like the baddest gangs in, in town. Oh, yeah. and so no, it was just a lot of fun moments like that where we almost died. Um, and uh, yeah, I agree. We went, the catamaran went by the hedonism resort and we we're like, okay, this is interesting. Um, and, and I don't know, you said kid in a candy store. I go, I would say some of that you just can't unsee. Um, it's not, it's not always a good thing. So, yeah, just go to the courts plus like 
in I take it all room. in, Jeremy. I take it all in. <laughs> it's all a joy in life. It's all a joy. Yeah. 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 All right. Oh, yeah. Jamaica, number four. Jamaica. Couple Jamaicans. Nice. I did see an eel while I was there as well. It did not bite me. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's worried about eel bites. For yeah, it seemed kind there. of wussy if I'm going to be honest. It saw me and just skedaddled. Okay. My number three is a trip we took a couple years back um, with the whole family taking them to the aforementioned Jeremy dropped in Wisconsin Dells. Oh. So we've been there a few times with the kids. This was our favorite trip. It was MEA break uh, 2020. Made all the more sweet because Michelle and I had just conquered COVID for the first time. Mm-hmm. So we got out of our God for the first time. <laughs> for the first time, um, like a ten day quarantine. A COVID freedom fighter. <laughs> and, uh, and we had this trip booked um, a while or just prior to that. <clears throat> and we get back to work, work like three days, and then we're back on um, head head on this trip. And, we were a little like back and forth, wishy-washy. God, did we even go? And, and things are locking back down again at that point in time. And, and we decided just to follow through with a commitment to it. We checked and everything was still open at the resort. And it ended up just being such a great respite from everything else that was going on. And we get over there and it was like every, it was kind of almost like a little, a little bit frozen in time, even though you're just in Wisconsin. It was like, you know, a little touristy place like that just keeps buzzing along. And um, it was a great trip. I think it was a shot in the arm. Everybody felt good. And uh, it's a fun place. We stayed, I think we stayed at Mount Olympus Resort at that time, and which is a fun place. I'd recommend that one for anybody with family. Uh, pretty good. Lots to do. So that was my number three, Wisconsin Dells 2020. Nice I wanna, mall there, too. Yeah, I want to take nice my kids there. Mm-hmm. Some point. I think we stopped, we stopped there on the way. Was it back from Chicago or to Chicago? Yep. Where, yeah. 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 What would be yeah. like the youngest age where you'd say that's like a family appropriate trip? Yeah, four. All right, I'm 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 getting there. Good. My number three, uh, I don't, 2008, 2009 probably, uh, we went with a group of friends. I think there was maybe seven of us. Uh, we rented a houseboat on Lake Powell, uh, launched out of Arizona, went through Utah, you guys have never scoped out Lake Powell. It's just awesome. It's uh, sandstone cut through. It's I think the lake's like 170 miles long. Um, and the house was just, it was fun. It was probably my most relaxing vacation because we just putted around at like five miles an hour. I think of a 170 mile lake, we made it like 15 miles <laughs> over the course of the three days. And, you know, we just pulled up on sandbars all over the place. We did bonfires. We had beer. We did hiking. Um, we were there, I think three days and it rained two of the three days, which is kind of a bummer when you're in Arizona, we, yeah. we went on this hike to wow, yeah. it's one of the world's largest natural arches, uh, is located there. So we wow. went, we went and hiked it and it's like raining the whole time. And we're just kind of in pissed off moods because we left North Dakota to get sun and warm and all we got was rain. And, you know, yeah. our tour guides, like you guys are so lucky. We, we don't get this much rain in an entire year. And we're like, yeah, this is great. great. Like, we, we brought it with us. Yeah, like we wanted oh, to like camp golly. out and uh, we just oh, had to sit in the houseboat. And 
I don't know, it, but it was a cool trip. Uh, very one of the most relaxing things I've ever done is just get that houseboat, just cruise around. You stop wherever you want. You swim. Um, there's some pretty sheer cliffs there, so you can just dive into the water wherever you, so you want. Guys you guys stayed on the houseboat this entire time. Yep. Yeah. Boat. I mean, we would uh, we boat. would stop and Sorry, camp. I, I did boat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had tents and things, but eh, we mostly just slept on there. Um, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, you know, double deckers so you can be up top and suntan while somebody else is driving the boat around. You can you can fish there. Uh, fun fact means you start in Arizona, but it covers Utah. You do need to buy two fishing licenses. So we fished illegally like the entire time we were there. Didn't realize yeah, that. Darn, um, okay. Yeah. yeah, but it's cool. Like there's like floating um, convenience stores on the lake that you can stop by, get food, gas, all that stuff as you're going along. So it's just a cool trip. Uh, yeah, just one of the most relaxing things I've ever done. Get a houseboat. Very cool. Lake Powell, a number three. Very cool. Get a boat. Get a boat. Houseboat. Live on it. All right, we're on number three still, right? You got it. Um, it's weird going last, huh? It is, God. Used <laughs> to having that comfort of being in the middle. <laughs> just, <laughs> my just number nice three gentle hug by two grown men. <laughs> my number three is uh, Cancun. Um, we we made this trip uh, a number of times. Um, my wife has has won a President's Club trip um and so they put us up at an all-inclusive resort down there so uh really chill uh it's my kind of vacation probably less hers uh but uh i'm not are you guys doers on vacation not at all that's why lake paul is the best we couldn't do anything but sit on a boat <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm I, the same uh well i am I you're a doer i've converted to more of a doer yeah busy See, body just a busy body See, I would rather just sit at the pool all day and sleep in and do nothing. And uh, it was great for me, too, because they had little iPads in the room where you could do the room service thing. That's totally not me. Nice. So it would be, uh, you know, it'd be one in the morning and and I'm like ordering cheeseburgers and stuff <laughs> like that. And Amy's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I have to use this. I I would never do this on my own time. So um yeah it was uh secrets of the vine it was the was the resort a great place um just uh yeah a lot of good restaurants on the on the resort um yeah that's my number three yeah that awesome. is one thing yes, my wife and i have had to like kind of come to terms with a little bit is i'm not a doer either i'm like a chiller and yeah. and i'm also like i'm kind of an introvert so when we go on vacation like I don't I, want to meet people. I don't want to meet people, and I'm probably going to disappear you at guys some are point. Missing out, so missing like, out. Well, I got to recharge the social batteries. Like even on that houseboat, I remember, like I brought a book. I like to read, so like we were hanging out, and I just went into the room and read for like an hour and a half because I could, and it was nice. Yeah. And my wife's like, "What are you doing? You, you know, we're we traveled however many hundred miles to hang out with your friends, and you're reading a book by yourself. It's like, well, yeah, but that's what I want to do, and that's how I recharge. Like." If you're going to push me and push me, just uh, be an extrovert for three days. Like, I'm going to get grumpy and shitty. But I'm going to be mad. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. give me two hours. And, and she understands that now. But I remember that was like, a, we got to talk a little bit. Like, I'm, you're going to not like me if we're going to, like, push it that hard for the rest of the trip. So, yeah. yeah. 
Well, I'm kind of, I've converted to a doer. I, I think I always was a little bit of a busybody anyways on vacation, but um, I was really torn on my number two because I've had a lot of these, a lot of these trips are just Michelle and myself, like getting away. And that's been awesome. And like last year we went to Tampa Bay for the 15th anniversary and we did a, an amazing fishing trip, you know, which again, that's a doer thing. And Jeremy, I know you're a fisher guy. You like that I like fishing, kind of shallow yeah. water, deep water. So yeah, highly recommend that. I mean, busybody, yep. but um, that was a great trip. But at the end of the day, I went, my number two actually went to close to where you were just at in Cancun to Playa del Carmen um, about three years ago in August of 19. That was just awesome. And to that point on getting to know people, and, and I understand the introvert piece, but man, we make we make so many fun friends when we're on these trips. And we met people, we met a couple, knew we were a couple from California. I wrote down like kind of this, this really fun couple who um, they were just, just gotten engaged, but they were like each on their second marriage. And they're, they're like our parents' age from Boston. I mean, they were, they were awesome to hang out with. And um, even these kooky folks from, uh, Austin, Texas. Um, Boston, who, uh, Texas. Austin, Massachusetts. Yeah, <laughs> Austin, Texas. Um, okay. They were uh, first time of uh, first time offered cocaine in quite a while, um, and oh, offered, well, yeah. <laughs> offered ecstasy. So um, they were That's really the kind of friends. That was more of I am missing like, out, huh? You start. <laughs> you start with some morning cocktails, maybe a mimosa or or what have you, margarita. Um, the drugs don't seem to get offered until you end up at somebody's villa and we walk in and, you know, they're like, let's go hang out in this villa. we got this other mini, it's, it's amazing. This resort, I don't even remember the name, but they had their own little private villa, private pool, mini pool. So we're like, all right, we'll go hang out there for a little while with these new friends. And, and they had other new friends and anyways, you walk in and it was literally like a scene from a movie where here we are. We always, we've referenced many times, but like these upper Midwestern movie loving dude so it's like a scene out of a flick where we walk in and i'm like oh there's like a coffee table with cocaine on it you know like in a card like right next to it don't say that every day no thank you so i just make my <laughs> way right to the pool and then these guys are like freaking tweaking on some e and they're like you need to take some too i'm like mm, no and michelle <laughs> that's really not her jam at all so she's like dragging me out of there it's probably for the best but Otherwise, really nice people. No, we're having fun, babe. <laughs> yeah. Loosen up. Learn it was, that it we're on little, vacay. It got, it got a little awkward. We can order a hamburger at 1 o'clock in the morning and if you're we fight, want. There's you no feel rules. Like you're already fighting that stigma from like the upper Midwest. Like everybody already <laughs> thinks we're meek and timid yeah. and everything. Yeah. So we're like, oh, I just, well, uh, I didn't know there was going to be drugs here, fellas. So, uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Need... Is, that, is that flour on the table over there? Yeah. yeah. Well, I you boys I left, have a good night. Be safe. <laughs> left something down at the pool. Come on. So that was, but that was a great trip though. Overall, met lots of awesome people. Um, that's our number two, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. That was a wild trip. <laughs> yeah, my number two. Uh, <laughs> I went nostalgia with this sucker a little bit too, because um, I'm like you guys. Growing up, we took one trip. Uh, out to Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, oh. So went through the Black Hills. Uh, my grandma lived out there. So we went to see my grandma one time in my life. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a long way to go. Um, expensive. <laughs> uh, so then again, my my wife and I did the the Black Hills thing when we were dating because we, again we didn't have any money. I was in PT school. She was working a you know retail job. 
Um, that was a great trip. And then, so then this last year we just took our kids there and it was so fun to like relive some of those memories, share them with our kids. Um, you know, first real family vacation we've taken, I mean, we've did like great wolf lodge, um, in the cities and things like that Mm -hmm. with them, but like to plan and like go and do multiple things. You know, we went out to Dickinson, did the dino museum, did the enchanted highway, did Deadwood. Mount Rushmore, did all that stuff around there, bear country, swung around and hit uh, Storybook Land up in Aberdeen on the way back and wall drug. Ooh, I know that well. Yeah, so it was just, it was a blast. My kids had fun. It was like that first real like excitement moment. Like they thought Mount Rushmore was cool and the Dino Mm -hmm. Museums and it was just fun. Great moments. I mean, there was a time on the Enchanted Highway where my daughter had to stop and pee 45 times, which was frustrating, (laughs) but um we we dug through it because that stretch the bison were playing a football game so i was like eh, it can take a while i gotta listen to the sucker for four hours anyway so poa little girl. so it was a great trip win-win really yep yep that's my uh number two just uh first real trip with the family it's probably gonna stick with me for a long time so that's awesome. it was a blast yeah it was great cool zero nude beaches <laughs> I would say my daughter probably stripped naked 500 times on the trip, but doesn't count. No, no, she'd take a left at that turnpike for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, my number two, uh, is uh, again, it's going nostalgic. Uh, this was by far the biggest, uh, family vacation that we took we went to uh puerto rico uh when i was probably in seventh grade oh, um we had uh some like family friends uh, they're both docs and can be but uh both lived in puerto rico one was from the uh, dominican republic they lived in in puerto rico for a while then they moved here and lived in canby and they forever i think just probably hounded my parents you gotta go you gotta go you gotta go um so we did um and again you look at like i gosh i even appreciate it more now because i'm like i look at like probably like again the sacrifice that it took to you know throw seven kids on a or seven people on a plane and go do that and uh but did a little bit of uh snorkeling there uh gilligan's island like little mangrove island Cool. Uh, that's cool uh we got to see old san juan it was cool too because he's from there or, or both of them are from there so like you got like the real experience versus this like the straight tourist one mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. old san juan you get to see like the 16th century spanish forts uh the uh el yunque uh, i think it's yunque national forest so like you get everything on that little island it's like 30 by a hundred miles and you have desert, you have rainforest. Uh, the, we went to see the observatory there. Uh, so they have the giant, uh, 007 satellite there. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, got to see a, uh, Did anybody follow it while you were there? No. <laughs> Not 006. Um, cable guy, but they had, uh, uh, yeah, cable guy. uh, they have a little bioluminescent bay there too. So we went on a little boat tour at night. And they got head guys diving into the water and you get this uh, phosphorescent uh, algae in there. So that's good memories. They, again, um, that was 
by far the biggest, best, uh, you know, first time on a plane. It was, it was pretty crazy for me as a kid. So that was my number two. You said his seventh grade? Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. On to number one. My number one is uh, the 10th anniversary trip that Michelle and I took to Cabo San Lucas, um, Cabo, uh, Mexico. Um, just freaking awesome. I know what's been said here, and I do agree with you guys that all-inclusive is the way to go. It's so nice, so yes. so slick. However, this is like such a deviant deviation from that because Cabo, I accidentally booked a non-all-inclusive. And I didn't even realize it till we were like, oh, huh? Michelle's like, well, yeah, I did research and I'm like, oh, really? Now, like I've heard this said before. Might as well wear sleeves on that trip, Nick. The hidden gem, it gets you off the resort. And Cabo is such a beautiful place to just walk. Like you do feel safe as opposed to the grill, like you guys were mentioning, like you feel safe just walking down the beach. And there's, there is something like if you go on TripAdvisor, because everybody's telling you to go on TripAdvisor and rate their place anyways, there is like 300 plus bar and grills, like all along this marina. And we got out constantly. Had such a great time. I'm going to give one more shout out here to our friends, Mike and Brooke, that we met. They're no longer together. Unfortunately, we still stay in touch with them to this day. They're from Toronto. And uh, really, hey. we ended up, we, we uh, connected with them like the first day. And then every, it was so cool. We just do our own thing throughout the day. And then we'd end up like kind of just randomly meeting up around like five, six o'clock at the pool. pool bar. And it was like, hey, where are you going to go tonight? Oh, we'll go with you. We'll go here, you know, and. And it was just awesome. Um, just fantastic time on the second to last night on our actual anniversary. We had kind of a sailboat tour around the, I don't know, just a beautiful bay that, that is down there, the tip of Cabo. Everything is all inclusive on that actual portion of it um, that we paid for. Well, we paid for it, so it's all inclusive. But, um, <laughs> came back in and all and came out of my wallet yeah <laughs> and everybody's so friendly like when they're you're like yeah it's actually our, our anniversary today i mean it was 10 years and they're like they literally just give you free drinks so here's some cocaine nice too man no cocaine on this one but lots of tequila and lots of rum and uh we didn't have we didn't have like the most comfortable flight back the next day i'll tell you that that was a little rough but um best best vacation experience you know could have asked for um got to see cabo wabo too and we're down there for you sammy hagar fans mm. really cool very neat vibe there so that was one of our nights we went out but number one cabo san lucas nice yeah i mexico terrifies me that's that's where you that's where you oh, die that's where you die don't invite death into your life there's lots of nice places here. My number one is like the opposite of Mexico. Grand Forks. Uh, <laughs> close. Uh, I, I think it was my wife's 30th birthday. Uh, we decided to plan a trip to Duluth, Minnesota. Um, oh, sure. And here's the deal. Like, I'm not a trip planner at all. Like, if we're like, hey, let's go somewhere. What should we do? And it's like, I don't know. Get there and figure it out. Like, because worst case scenario, I'll just hang out at the hotel, which is what I want to do. Uh, so for my wife's 30th, because my wife's birthday is 
uh, nine days after ours. And then our good friend, uh, his birthday sandwiched in between ours. And then his wife is one of my wife's best friends. So I was like, the four of us will go and I'll plan this sucker. Like I made an itinerary of like every hour, what we were going to do. No, um, I called ahead. That makes me nervous. That I, makes me nervous. Like See, I, you yourself, you're bucking what you said a little bit ago where yeah. you were saying, Hey, I like to, I'm more of a chiller than a I am. Guy. So I did this for my wife cause it was her birthday and I wanted to surprise her. So like we, so we went sailing. Saint. Um, so I had to call ahead and reserve a spot on sailing. We toured the Glen Sheen mansion. So I had to like reserve that. Days. We had reservations at the revolving restaurant there. Um, you know, we went up to, what is it? Uh, Gooseberry Park uh, up north with the falls. We did the pie thing when we were up there. It was just a cool trip. Um, one of my favorite moments on the trip on the way back, I had got us a bed and breakfast uh, out in the middle of nowhere. I don't even, remember where, I don't even remember where it was by. Um, just out in the middle of nowhere. And we're driving like on a gravel road, like 30 minutes in the dark to get to this place. We get there, there's like no lights on. We drive around, there's like a little shady ass trailer in the back that, you know, it's like a Texas <laughs> Chainsaw thing. Massacre situation. Um, you were you were having. You yeah, I was loving it. I was like, this is creepy as hell. No wonder this is your number one vacation yeah. spot. So we finally find the lady and she lets us in and it's like upstairs and we all get settled. And She's um, like, every- you got to crawl through these syringes <laughs> and find this key. Yeah. Is that easy? That's easy. Peasy. You did say it was going to be easy. Yeah. And uh, everybody's <laughs> getting ready. And upstairs, there's like a landing sitting area. And up there, they have like ghost stories of uh, Minnesota or whatever books out. And like this whole uh, time, my horrible. buddy, he's kind like of a scaredy it. cat, you know, and he's like, dude, this, this place is kind of creepy. Like, why did you book this place? And I'm like, ah, it's no big deal. Like, quit being a baby. Um, and then they all come out. And we're going to have like a nightcap before we go to bed. And I'm like, let's read a story. You know, so I, I grab one of the books and there's a story of like a traveling salesman and he like ends up at a house and as he's talking to the person, the person comes out with like a lantern um, and the story goes something like a strong gust of wind went and the lantern went out and they were plunged into darkness. And right when I said that, the power the went, out went out in the house. Ooh. We were plunged into complete darkness. Like I couldn't even see the other people across the couch. And it feels like about, I don't know, 30 seconds. And finally, I hear my buddy go across the room. He goes, this is terrifying. <laughs> and finally, the, the lights turn back on. And he's like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I didn't do that. And it was so funny because I'm kind of an early bird. So I get up the next morning and I'm back out in that little sitting area, just kind of dinking around. And like, I can hear them in their room get up. It's so dumb because their room had like this stupid old like rotary phone in there. So I can hear my buddy get up and I hear him like go over and ding it a few times and pick it up and goes, hello, hello. And like, he giggles. Right. And then like, I could hear him go, Monica. And she's like, what? He's like, remember when the lights went off last night? I was horrifying. <laughs> like I just hear him have this conversation and it was just awesome. Cause then he walked out and I'm laughing. It was just a fun trip. Just a good trip with friends. We can't leave here soon enough. <laughs> yeah. We skipped the breakfast. He had already had the car packed. We just left. So uh, it was a That's wonderful great. trip. It's your number one. That's yeah. great. Duluth. All these man. shenanigans. Ton of fun stuff to do in Duluth. And like the death factor was so low. Never felt like I was going to die there. Until you got possessed. 
But, yeah. Mexi- but I, I still felt pretty resorts safe. in Mexico are just scary. Yeah, that's enjoy your head. You might not have it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Not with the folk that the uh, Doling's hanging out <laughs> yeah. with. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he gets in with the Arabian side. Double stand crossing on the, them. the stand <laughs> Pacific side. He'll be fine. <laughs> all Go right, ahead, uh, my, my number one. Uh, we went down to the Florida Keys this January. We went to Casa de Vandover in... Uh, <laughs> Get that name drop out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Wado. Uh, got a nice little spot down in Marathon, Florida. Um, man, that was a fun trip. You, you guys, like, I, I think you guys both mentioned it at one point or another during your list. It was our first family trip, too. Uh, yeah. My daughter's just about to turn two. So it was interesting the first time having her on a plane mm. um but uh just a blast we got to get down there um we went there with basically my my wife's whole side of the family so um crazy trip we our, our flight was supposed to leave at uh six in the morning we're getting up at three in the morning to go to the airport and our sister-in-law is calling and saying like hey our flight got canceled and we're like <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, yeah, it did. They can get us to Atlanta, but that's it. So, you know, it just started off like super chaotic. Like we had to rebook the second uh, leg of our trip to get down there. But uh, once we did, got to go hang out. Just it was a real family trip. Got to go hang out. Um, uh, you know, aquariums, a uh, ton of cool little uh, mm. restaurants on the beach. Uh, we did a little fishing for a half day there. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just a really cool trip. Uh, and, and we found out there, um, the, the icing on the cake or proverbial icing on the cake was, we found out that we did a little gender reveal while we were down there. And that's when we found out we're having a son. Oh, so, um, it was just like a cool moment, like being with our whole family, uh, doing that, like, my daughter was the one that hit the hit the cake to see if it was blue or, or pink. And so it was a cool trip. So uh, I recommend it if you haven't been down there. Uh, a lot of family-friendly stuff to do, some touristy stuff, but some uh, off, the, off the kind of beaten path stuff, too, that was really fun. So that would be my number one. So Awesome. Very good. I got to do that one sometime too. But man, that's a popular little outing place, VRBO, because it's booked pretty tight. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, awesome, boys. Yeah. So, Thanks, everybody, for listening. That was episode 23 in the books. Was 23. As always, there, Nick, AJ. I've edited the beginning out. Nobody knows I messed up. So <laughs> Casey, cool Casey totally screwed up the beginning. Cool. Like First time share. in 23 episodes. Uh, Dishonored Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, as always, if you guys got any topics you want to hear us chat about, any top fives you want us to go over, go ahead and shoot us an email at ptshoptalk at gmail.com. Uh, remember, you can always look at us uh, YouTube if you want to see our ugly faces, see Nick's biceps, uh, my ridiculous blue shirt. Uh, mm-hmm. Check us out there. Uh, follow us on Twitter, ptshoptalk1. Uh, And until next time, I'm Casey Hansen.